of the Sports Holic Podcast. Sean, it's been a 12-day break between shows. I've been enjoying my summer vacation. I've already gone to the beach two times. I've grilled another four times. Uh, I've had, of course, a few brewskis and plenty of baseball, which is what our show will be dedicated today as we will be talking all MLB-related uh, stuff, in particular to the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game and the upcoming deadline. But before we get to any of that, how have you been off in the last 12 days, sir? It was fun. I uh, It's been fun, I should say. Went to the... Greenville Flyboys uh, baseball game versus the Elizabethan River Rats. Cool. And that was the Appalachian League. So it's like college summer league ball. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then they had, a, they had an all right fireworks display. It wasn't really anything to write home about when you've seen a lot of fireworks over your, your years, but it was all right. Um, last Thursday, actually, we had our our, uh, our two bartender friends from Tennessee Hills come over for uh, for dinner. They've, I've been talking to them about making food for them, and uh, I made them I made them some ribeyes and the sous vide. Made my Irish potato stacks and roasted some asparagus. It was it was a good dinner overall, but I haven't really been cooking much outside of that uh, too creative uh, creatively. So not really much else going on. I did enjoy watching the home run derby. And the All Star Game. I didn't like the outcome of the All Star Game. However, I uh, doesn't really matter anymore. I don't think they do the home field advantage for the World Series anymore via All Star Game. So it doesn't really matter that is anymore. Correct. No, I, it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Uh, like you said, both of them were uh, enjoyable. Let's break down and talk about the Home Run Derby uh, first. Obviously, this was at uh, T-Mobile Field in Seattle. Uh, let, we'll, what I'll do here, Sean, is the quick breakdown of what happened, then we can kind of throw in our analysis or our stories, however we saw it. But uh, Randy Rosa Reina had 24 home runs, defeating Abdullah Garcia with 17 home runs in round one. Your boy, Luis uh, Robert Jr., knocked 28 home runs to defeat uh, Adley Rushman of the Orioles by one. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would have 26 to take down Mookie Betts, who would only have 11, the lowest in round one. Julio Rodriguez would absolutely steal the show at, at his home field, buddy, with 41 home runs in round one, and that was so much fun to watch. And he defend, uh, defeated uh, Pete Alonzo, who we know has won two derbies before. Um, in round two, then, Arellos Arena would have 35 home runs to beat your boy, though, Luis Robert, who would only have 22. Guerrero uh, uh, defeated Rodriguez, uh, 21 home runs to 20, so that was really close and fun. And then Guerrero finally, and I mean, that guy's just got the smoothest swing in baseball, Sean. 25 home runs to Arellos Arena's 23 to be crowned the home run derby champ. Uh, again, that was fun to see him be crowned. Uh, he's got 163 total uh, career home runs now in the Derby, which is second all time. Only Pete Alonso uh, has more. And obviously seeing Julio put that first round show up in front of his home fans, that that's kind of what I took from it. What did you see? What did you like? 
Uh, so, a few things I liked um, when, you know, Vlad Guerrero winning is pretty cool because he became the first father-son duo to win because his dad won it 16 right. years ago. So, that was awesome. Um, I also, I'm going to be, a, I'm gonna be a, a, a stand here for the White Sox, but Luis Robert completely sucking the life out of Adley Rushman and his dad having a good moment together in the home run derby. He gets to 27 in regular time and has a full minute and a half to get one more home run. Run. He doesn't know the second or third swing in the extra time round. Here's my question to sure. you, Max. They, they they changed it a few years ago to be the the three minutes uh, with one timeout instead of ten yes. outs. Do you like that format, or do you think they should go back to the ten out format? Because you can't even admire these absolute bombs that they're hitting because it's so fast paced that by the time the ball's you know getting close to the out uh, leaving the outfield, they're already swinging at the next pitch. So I think instead of time, I like I like the old way where it was ten outs. What about you? Here's my only problem with, and this is where Major League Baseball made this a time limit decision. Is the home run derby is a great event? It really is. It's a wonderful event. It's actually it's even more watched than the Pro Bowl or the NBA All Star Game. If you go back to ten outs. They have 10 outs to work with, meaning they can hit bombs all day, which is super fun, but it gets soup, you know, it, I don't want to say it gets boring, but without a time like crunch to it, that derby could run four or five hours. And I just think it's cool for two and a half, maybe three hours tops of people hitting home runs, watching four and a half hours because we're not getting to that, uh, uh, to that element. I like the time bonus to some degree, but I wish they would just do three minutes flat and with the last 30 seconds every home run that's donated or uh, uh, that's hit uh, some type of charity donation would be made with the last 30 seconds in the uh, three minutes that's sure. what I wish would happen instead I guess so and here's another hot take I think okay. they need to stop having children field these balls in the outfield did you see the kid who got who got absolutely decked by a 112 mile per hour ball right in the face it doesn't it's happened one once or twice before, it doesn't happen enough, and I think I think it's a nice thing for a community organization, Sean, to be able to get in there and let the kids go onto the field. So yeah, I understand. Look, there sports and injury are is going to happen. Kids got to be really you know careful, but I, I I'm all but for it. But a child is not nearly used to fielding a ball at that velocity. I mean, think about what they're playing against. That's like exit exit velo at 32 miles See, this per is hour. The whole problem with society. It's a little too soft, Sean. Let these kids get hit. See, he'll toughen Being up. Beat him right in the that, chest. I'm yes. telling you, he'll be a man after that. After that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Put a little hair on the kid's chest. Uh, speaking of Rushman, though, it was fun to watch him hit switch hitted. Yes, too. He that had 21 cool. home runs uh, from the left side, and then, like you said, his dad was pitching to him. He would go the right side. I hit uh, another six more for 27. So that was fun. Again, fun. It's a fun event. It is a very fun event every year. And, uh, you know, we'll be excited. We'll be looking for it uh, next year. But I say let's wrap this part up, Sean. And on the flip side of the break, we'll break down the Major League Baseball All-Star Game that, thank God, the National League won right here on the Sportsaholic Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, and Sean Conway taking us to break as always. uh, Jason James this time with his song Fallen Hills. 
we're back here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean, again, that was a blast, literally a blast of a home run derby, and it was a pretty good all-star game as finally the National League poked out with the win after nine consecutive losing years. Haven't won in a decade because, of course, they didn't play the uh, all-star game in 2020 during the pandemic. So it's been a long time since the National League has beat the American League. You know, I, <laughs> it feels good, though. It really feels good. The last time they did it, we didn't even know each other at that point in time. That's right? funny. So that's, that's funny. pretty funny how a decade really can uh, change things. 3-2 to two for the National League. I thought, too, it was going to be a really crummy start. If you remember, literally to start the game, uh, Ronald Lacuna Jr. slashes a ball, and then Aldolis Garcia makes a beautiful catch in right field. Next batter's Freddie Freeman makes a, slashes another ball that I think is going to be an easy double. There's Randy Rosarena in uh, left field making a beautiful um, catch. So not a great start to the National League. Got to see my boy Justin Steele work the fifth inning. Uh, Cade uh, Jonah Heim on a nasty slider to end that inning. Finally, finally, finally get a little bit of hope here with Elias Diaz, the MVP of the game, as he would hit that two-run uh, home run in the eighth inning. Uh, Diaz coming from the Colorado Rockies. Um, but thank God he was the MVP of this game. I don't think anyone's really heard of this guy unless you're a true baseball guy. But Elias Diaz, again, with the two-run uh, two run home run in the eighth inning for the NL. Craig Kermble, my friend, as you well know, very shaky candidate <laughs> to come in and save and close games. He had two walks, but didn't uh, had a guy on third, but with two outs, struck out uh, the last batter of the game to end the game and, again, to secure <laughs> the first win for the National League in nine seasons. It's wild. Absolutely wild. A couple of things I liked about it was literally at the top of the first inning, uh, we had Garrett Cole on the mound and back to back, they two just really long fly balls, both to right and left respectively. And we had uh, Randy Rosarena and Adolis Garcia both there making leaping grabs at the wall. So that was kind of a fun start to the game, kind of kind of seeing it. Oh, wow. This we're in for a show. Um, outside of that, you kind of mentioned a lot of the things that I was uh, going to bring up minus when Shoei Otani came up to bat and um, immediately the second he stepped into the batter's box the Seattle crowd absolutely erupts come to Seattle come to Seattle I mean it, it could be they, they could be buyers at, or at the at the uh, deadline but I don't think the angels are gonna move on from them at the deadline they're gonna they're gonna wait till the end of the season still well I that I disagree with I I, I think they will be moving them uh, because he is a free agent at the end of the year so you're going to eat because if you don't get something for him now, yes, obviously you'll throw the qualifying offer, but that's only going to net you, you know, the Cubs did that with Wilson Contreras last year and then netted them the 68th overall pick where I just don't think you're going to let Otani go for what, pick 70 in next year's draft. You're going to try to get something for him. The Angels absolutely stink. So I just, uh, they're not a good team. That Mike Trout's going to be out for at least a another six weeks you're probably not going to win many ball games in that time uh you got to reset your roster somehow with mike trout going back forward and who knows if you get the right trade package and the right prospect sean 
maybe Otani would want to come back to in free agency, say, you know, I'm still loyal here. And now that you got these two pieces for me, you know, for the two-month rental, essentially, they're going to make this ball club a lot better with a healthy Mike Trout coming back. You know, maybe that entices him to re-sign. But if you know he's not going to re-sign, you got to get something for him in return. That's fair. I agree. They could be sellers at the deadline. Um, but I think, uh, for me, the two sellers at the deadline are going to be the Soxes, both the White and Red Sox. Okay. They're both not doing great. Bottom of the barrel. Uh, they have tools that they can move on foot from. Um, I think the Sox will be looking to move Giolito and Tim Anderson at the deadline. Giolito's looking a little bit more uh, like himself this season, bringing his ERA down from 4.90 last year to 3.45 right now, over 19 starts. Anderson, though, not looking his his usual form this season. He's had a terrible year. I don't even think he's yet to go yard in a single game yet this season. That's correct. Um, And I know he's having a lot of the off-field, you know, things going on with his personal life. You know, that, that's a separate story, though. Um, but honestly, I think clubs will probably look at him at the deadline over the, the you know, the and kind of look more over the entire body of work throughout his career as opposed to his current slump. Um, but honestly, you know, the, the window of contention is done. This team needs a, either a quick rebuild or to fire Rick Hahn and Jerry Sell. <laughs> and everyone team else, a competent, right? Exactly. Competent the front, front office. office can come in then. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the Rangers, or not the Rangers, the, the Red Sox, I should say. Um, oh, also, before I move on to the Red Sox, I know I can even see them moving on from Lance Lynn. Uh, I've, yeah, I've been reading that the be Rangers done. were actively looking to add that. They really need a pitcher. They have a solid lineup, but they do need a starting pitcher. So I think the Rangers might be uh, giving some offers for to bring Lance Lynn back. Now to go to the Red Sox. They may be five games over 500, but they're in a stacked division, and I don't see them climbing up the A. AL East standings all that much. They're currently in dead last in the AL East. Adam Duvall has turned it around following a down 2022 season. His slash line is 257, 328, 52, I should say, through 32 games. The 34-year-old was sidelined for two months with a fractured wrist. Justin Turner has continued to fend off father time. The 38-year-old is slashing 288, 362, 462 with 13 home runs and 52 RBIs. He is a $13.4 million player option with a $6.7 million buyout for 2024. Make some cap, open up some cap space for the Red Sox here. I think that'd be a good move. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, definitely your White Sox are going to be sellers, and all the guys you mentioned should be gone, except maybe next. Maybe you hope to rebound next year with Tim Anderson at only $14 million with his option. But how about the other team in Chicago? I think the Cubs will be sellers. They're 42 and 47. The team isn't good enough to win a World Series. And they have a good farm system, but I don't know if it's like a top 10. I think they're just outside. They really did uh, a great job in the draft, which I'll mention later in the show today. I think they did a really nice job drafting. But I think about what they've done the last two trade deadlines, and you look at what you have with the Cody Bellinger, who's on a one-year deal, 
Marcus Stroman and uh, Drew Smiley all on one-year deals, essentially. Stroman will definitely opt out of his uh, deal to test free agency. You have these guys playing at a good peak. There are going to be teams that absolutely want to hit a guy who's hitting 298 with an OPS plus of 128 and a guy who's you know made 19 starts with an ERA under 3, Sean. So I think the Cubs will try to reel in a couple more prospects, spend some big money in free agency next year, including maybe going after a guy like Otani, if not adding multiple pieces, while having a then definitely a top 10 type uh, farm system. So I think that could be in the uh, in the groove for them. Uh, obviously, the nasty Nats, who really are, have just been uh, nasty to watch, has been, has been terrible. 36 and 54, last in the NL East. You got Jaime Calendario, who's got a 2.7 war and an OPS plus of 125. He would be a really nice third base bat for a team that's looking for a third baseman or DH. And then two bullpen arms. Hunter Harvey uh, was 3-4 with the 3.20 ERA, 44 strikeouts and 39 innings pitched. And uh, uh, C.J. Edwards Jr. is coming back from the injured list soon. Has gone 1-9 with an ERA of 3.70 and 31 and two-thirds innings and an ERA plus of 114. I think uh, those two arms could be nice bullpen arms for people to acquire, you know, here in the coming weeks. For sure. Now, going to buyers, I mentioned earlier the Rangers. I do believe they'll be they'll be big buyers at the, de- at the deadline. I think they have a solid lineup. They're just needing pitching. After losing DeGrom to Tommy John, they need a new starter. And I can see Lance Lynn returning, like I said, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after another pitcher from the south side, maybe Dylan, Dylan Cease. I mean, there's no reason to keep him on either. So... <laughs> I mean, just clear clear everything out, get all a bunch of prospects, rebuild the team again. Yeah. Like, I can live through another 10 years of the White Sox being absolute dog shit. I'm uh, sorry. Outside of that. I am sorry to some degree because I really did think it's one of these, you know, within the last three years, you really would be hosting up a World Series. The way they built that team, I thought they did it all the right way. It is not turning your uh, way. And, yes, at this point, I, I agree. I would, I would just start selling, start selling, selling, selling. Now, the other buyer I think is going to be is the Seattle Mariners. You know, a few weeks yes. ago, they would have been clear sellers at the deadline, but after going 7-3 and three in the last 10 before the break, there's still time to turn it around. All they really need is a starting pitcher and a good bat. The bat would be easy to come by, so they just got to find the right fit for a pitcher overall. Um, hey, maybe they do go after Otani. That, that, would, that would secure both their needs at bat and... Uh, and a starting pitcher, so that'd be that'd be smart, um, you know. No, absolutely. For a team that's never won a World Series, he would be a huge attraction there. He would absolutely help you win games and compete the rest of the way in your division. And also, he does spend time out, uh, like uh, in the off season in Seattle. He's got a place in Seattle already. I think if the Mariners were to make a big enough push, they have enough rookie guys on rookie contracts. They might be able to. If they say, hey, look, we traded for you. Now we're going to offer you $650 million for you to stay here, I could see that being a really good ploy uh, for the M's. 
Uh, two quick buyers here in the National League. I think the Phillies, you know, their owners just kind of had that taste of going to the World Series. They're 48 and 41, so they really probably want to get back in, trying to uh, get back to another World Series. I think uh, they'll be definitely looking for starting pitching and relief pitching. But my thought is the same thing. Go big and go get Otani. This is the team. Could you imagine adding Otani, even if it's just for the two months and they don't re-sign him? Can you imagine for the two months plus the playoffs of having Otani, Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, and Trey Turner? And JT Realmuto. I mean, that that probably with Otani pitching for you, that might be the what puts the Phillies over the top if they were to make that move. And Arizona, come on, you're tied with LA in for first place in the National League West. Do you want to hang with the Dodgers for the rest of this summer? If you do want to hang with them, to me, you absolutely have to add to your rotation. Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly are a solid one-two punch, but you cannot rely on. Zach Davies or Ryan Nelson. This is the team to me that uh, that should go after a guy like a Marcus Stroman. This is the team that should be going after him and probably adding one to two relievers to that bullpen that's been okay but not great. So add the big name starter. Get your you know one more horse. Add another couple relievers, and I think this team will compete with LA the rest of the way. All right, good deal. That is all we have here for buyers and sellers and our upcoming trade deadline here at the end of the month. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Sportsologics podcast. On the flip side, we're going to be going over uh, you know some trivia and what I've been drinking. You're listening to the Sportsologics podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that, but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. We're back here on the Sportsholics podcast. Sean, I mentioned earlier in the show that Vladdy uh, Jr. with the 163 home runs and Pete Alonzo with the 195 home runs are number one and number two all time in total. Total derby home runs. Can you name me the next four guys in line, please, in total home run derby home runs? Um... In order, or just at random? Don't matter. Uh, I think Julio Rodriguez is up there because he's dominated the last two years, numbers-wise. So I think he's got to be on the list. Not Julio Rodriguez. He's close. He's got 142, though. I saw that stat yesterday. Oh, well, then he would be number three. Excuse me. He would be three. Okay. So nine, um, I'm sorry, right, name the next five. So you're right, I'm sorry. Um, I, you know how my handwriting is some days. Next five. So Julio, yes, then... Um. Uh, Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Correct. Okay. Albert Pujols was in that derby a lot. That so is he's correct. He is also there. over hundred with the hundred and six. Um. David Ortiz. Not David. Okay. What about um? You should know this guy. He played on your team for a couple years. Big home run guy, but about a two hot father. Yeah, so I was gonna say he participated a lot. And one okay. other guy on this list. 
What years? Uh, he's a current guy. I think he plays for the Giants, and last year the Cubs traded him for an ashtray, essentially. Oh, that's Jock Peterson. Jack Peterson. <laughs> Excellent job on your trivia today, Mr. Uh, Sean Conway. What are you uh, sipping on? Uh, well, this is a beer that's from the Northwest, just like where the Home Run Derby was. And I'm assuming people in Oregon probably root for the Mariners. But this is uh, Bat Squatch, a Bat Squatch Hazy IPA from Rogue Brewing. It's pretty tasty. I think I've had it on the show here before, but it's a good beer. It's, uh, let me pull up the beer advocate. It's got 6.7% ABV. It's a New England style IPA. Uh, really, uh, really, it's kind of got a, a sweet taste to it. Nice, but, um, nice. Very refreshing beer. Obviously, y'all hear me every, every, you know, almost every week I'm talking about some sort of IPA or hazy IPA. Love hazy IPAs. This is up there with one of the probably, I'll say top, top seven, top seven hazy IPAs that I've had. But overall, uh, nothing, you know, too uh, exotic or anything. No. It has a tropical good. flavor, um, tropical citrusy flavor, not too bitter. Um, and it's named after a, um, a cryptid that's up there in the Northwest that is a Sasquatch that's also a bat. So it's the Bat Squatch. But I also thought the word bat baseball themed show today. I know I'm just stretching now, but lots, hey. Hey, lots of bats, lots of lumber used. You are correct over the last few days. Uh, speaking though, of the guys with the metal bats who will have to adjust to the uh, uh, lumber here, we have the MLB draft. I was quite happy with the Cubs uh, with the Cubs selection at the with the 13th pick and Matt Shaw, the kid out of uh, Maryland, a shortstop. I think you're probably pretty impressed by taking an SEC shortstop with. Jacob Gonzalez with the 15th pick. So that was good. Uh, let's just do top five, though. Otherwise, besides our guys, Paul Skeens, man, going number one to Pittsburgh. Is this kid not almost almost as scary because he does have a little bit of that Mark Pryor syndrome where you think this kid could probably be in the big leagues in about a year's time, but the way he uses his body is it almost too much. Anyways, uh, he goes. He came from LSU and we are wishing him nothing but the uh, best luck. Uh, his uh, a teammate from LSU, so two LSU teammates going one and two here. Dylan Cruz to the Washington Nationals. I thought he was probably the best college hitter in this draft uh, with the Golden Spikes Award winner, Sean. So a good pick up for the Nasty Nats, who again are struggling right now at 36 and 54. Uh, the Detroit Tigers picked up Max, uh, Max Clark from Franklin Community High School in Indiana. A lot of people feel like he's probably got the biggest upside, but you you know, uh, being a high school kid, you never really know what you're going to expect. Uh, Wyatt Langford going uh, out of the University of Florida, the outfielder to the Texas Rangers. Rangers, man, they have to think about where they've drafted and what the money that they've spent in free agency. They're going to be probably a very competitive organization for the years to come, especially if Langford uh, works out. And finishing out the top five, because again, it was not by record this year is the first year the MLB did the lottery so somehow the Twins got lucky enough to get Walter Jenkins uh, from South Brunswick High School uh, the young outfielder left handed hitter should uh, give some power here in uh, the MLB so those are your top five and our two guys Sean Uh, real quick uh, NBA notes uh 
Uh, Boston Celtics forward and center Kerstaf Porzingis has signed a brand new two-year $30 million extension uh, that will keep him through the 2025-2026 campaign. Uh, Going to the NFL here, the New York Jets have locked up all-pro defensive tackle Quinton Williams to a four-year $96 million contract uh, contract extension with $66 million in total guaranteed money. Last year, uh, Williams would have 12 sacks uh, and a 7.4 pressure rate and forced two fumbles. Uh, speaking of NFL and actually former NFL guys, hey, he's back. It's Tim Tebow. This time, though, he's not, <laughs> he's not suited up. At least, God forbid, if he does suit up. <laughs> but he is going to be bringing in a professional hockey team to Lake Tahoe. The ECHL Board of Governors, Sean, has approved an expansion for the application of Mr. Tim Tebow, bringing the uh, Lake Tahoe team as early as the 2024-25 campaign. Obviously, it will be owned by Tim Tebow. Uh, He will get a little bit of uh, help, though, uh, owning the team from David Hodges, who is the CEO of Hodges Management Corp uh, and owns a bunch of uh, real estate and auto ship dealers essentially, uh, but he is going to be owning the team and the EHL said they proudly quote-unquote welcome the 29th member of the, of the league to their uh, you know, to their uh, to their league. But yes, exciting news, exciting news. Now we just hope Tebow does not try out for his new team. I swear to God, if he, if he, if he laces up the skates... I we riot, okay? We riot. <laughs> we do not allow this man to do that. Uh, I was going to go more in the directions of let's go buy some tickets and go see him fall down on ice, but <laughs> uh, there's always the riot mode too. So uh, let's go though to another riot, which is Fight Corner. What do you got cooking there? We had UFC 290 this past weekend. Alexander Volkanovski gets the KO win in the second round over Yair Rodriguez to retain his featherweight belt. And then Alexander Pantoa gets the decision win over Brandon Moreno to become the new flyweight champ. There is a fight night going on on Saturday this week. Holly Holmes, the headliner, but no other really big names on the uh, on the, the fight card. Uh, we'll have more boxing news coming up here, I believe, next month. Uh, but that's really all we really had at the moment. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. Tyson Fury and the heavyweight champion of the world for boxing and Francis Ngannou, MMA heavyweight, just absolute terror, who left the UFC uh, earlier this year, I think back in February, and joined the PFL. They are now set to have a boxing match in October for the, 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 it's like an exhibition match, crossover. It's going to be a boxing match and everything. But... This is gonna be, I think, just just my personal opinion. Boxing is a little, it's it's dif- more difficult to win yes. unless it's unless you're trained in it. Because sport too. Like, well, no, MMA is definitely more physical, but boxing, you score points just by punching. You, you, unless you're getting the knockout, which I don't see Tyson Fury knocking out. Francis Ngannou, but hey, I also didn't see him knocking out Deontay Wilder, so that's a different story. I'll I'll definitely be watching that one. Other fight news, I'm not sure if I mentioned this. 
Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> are talking about having an MMA match in the Colosseum in Rome. Wow. The only thing that's holding it up is the weight class difference because Mark Zuckerberg is like five foot nine and 155 pounds, <laughs> and Elon Musk is like six foot one, 210 pounds. So it wouldn't be an even fight for weighted. However, Mark Zuckerberg trains with Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovsky and is shredded. He actually <laughs> knows what he's doing, whereas Elon Musk is just a tech bro. Yeah, he, he would not know how to fight Zuckerberg. I think Zuckerberg still has the upper hand in that situation. I was gonna say, does uh, does the man of Facebook, you know, of my favorite website? Do you think he could really win in a Facebook? I hope you get smashed by Elon just because he owns Facebook. But I hate him both. But either way, I, I think hey, at this point, Mark Zuckerberg is less of a piece of shit than Elon Musk is. So both pieces, they are. They're both pieces of shit, obviously. But I think at this point, Zuck is less than Musk is. So fuck them both. I hope. Right, I hope it's like the, I hope it's like that scene in, in Step Brothers where they're swinging the golf clubs at each other and they at the same time just knock each other out and then they both they both walk off into the Italian sunset there in Rome. Go invest in some Shohei Otani or something this <laughs> off season, gentlemen. Uh, that's where your money should be spent, not Rome. Uh, anyways, do you got any other notes? All right, let's no, sir. let's wrap this up. It was good to be back on the mic with you, Sean Conway. Good to talk uh, again. Pretty much everything baseball uh, related here. We kind of put that uh, two blocks into one earlier, but that's all right. It's good. Uh, it's good rolling on. So let's get rolling on here. And until the next time here on the Sports Live Podcast, I'm Max Zuger. Sign off for Sean Conway.